Yes. It is now time for Bike Talk. Now get busy! Talk. Well, wait a minute. Top Tucson? Bikers? Uh, full disclosure, this is chicken leather. Um, a little bit. Uh, a touch of food poisoning. I don't know if it was the uh, the eggplant or uh, somebody says, oh, it's got to be something you dumpster dived. And I said, well, why am I getting sick now after how many years of people feeding me stuff? So anyway, full disclosure. <laughs> a little bit under the weather, but feeling better here. And... Um, as luck would have it, uh, we didn't play a lot of this stuff from Ciclavia. So right now, we're talking to some people, that's right, from uh, Tucson, which is, you don't know, or maybe you do know, is the home of Bikus, one of the oldest bike collectives. And we're going to hear my little interview with him right now here on Bike Talk. Kill Radio and KPFK on the podcast. Well, there are some Bikus folks Oh, here. my God. It's good to see you guys here. <laughs> good to see you. Don't they do this in Tucson? We do do it in Tucson, uh, but see, we got to so, learn from you, too. Well, thanks for coming out here today. I'm happy to be here. Well, are you really experiencing the city or, you know, seeing yeah. something architecturally different? Uh, a little bit different today, something tells me, the normal days in L.A. It seems, I, I'm just kind of guessing, but it's probably a lot cooler here than it is in Tucson right now. Well, today. It <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming Thank out. I'm happy to be here. And, and tell us a little bit about the bicycle bells in Tucson. So a bunch of us came from on the train to experience Ciclavia, see what LA is like when you close it down to cars and open it up to people. And uh-huh. We're happy to be here. We, we organized the Tucson event and we're happy to see what y'all do here. It, are you, are be, you, it might be a little bigger. I, I was going to say, are you learning things here that you're going to take back to Tucson? Definitely. Anything in particular? Just, to just put you know, how to manage a lot of people uh-huh. and, and a lot of bicyclists that are you know new and beginners and you know a little bit hesitant out there with so many people. So. Uh, absolutely. The, the one thing, and, and we heard, and it was shocking, uh, when about two or three years ago, somebody from uh, um, 
bike has came out and he was doing his thesis or he's writing a book about bike collectives. And one of the things he mentioned was that they were going to move the freeway and go right through bikers. Did they resolve that? <laughs> it's, it's still unresolved. Well, what are you laughing for? Don't laugh. Unresolved. Kylie, so Kylie works at bikers. Oh, really? Yep. I, I love the concept of purgatory for bikes. <laughs> was it purgatory or what was it? It was. There is a purgatory. Yes, yeah, purgatory. I She's love that. The, the well, one to ask actually, her. we learned a lot. The interview was to learn stuff about us, but you know, you ask questions. It's almost right. like that that old Arthur Conan Doyle, where you know, well, so it's do you, do you work for I actually volunteer for for um, the bike oven, and I'm going to give you a card at Great. the end of this, so you can get in touch with us and keep in touch. Great. And. You should come out for Tucson. Oh, I, I, okay. Here's the secret. I did a show in Tucson at, at you know, you have the the uh, movie studios out there, old Tucson, and okay. and it fell through. But every week I built another bike, and then somebody kind of said, you know, I brought my own bike, and then by the end I had four <laughs> or five bikes. They're going, can I put it on the truck? And I said, sure. And the next thing you know, it's like, hey man, we got to do something. There's like 12 bikes on this bike, and I said, yeah, we're taking it back to LA. And he said, oh, you'll never ride them in LA. But it's kind of funny, you know? It's been fun. I, brought, I came in a couple days ago and I've been riding around LA. I, I like your town. Yeah, have you seen anything you like in particular that you tell, like, you know, I take people from like Germany and stuff and I tell them, you'll see more of LA on a bicycle Definitely. than you ever would in a car and, and it's going to be more fun. And you know, it's, it's easy to get European people, but you know, people from, let's just say the Midwest or something, kind of go, I don't know, I, I think I need four wheels under me. And you know what, it's not going to be sweaty guys, it's going to be women with wicker that are going to sell this movement, or women with bikes, or women in stripes. I like that. Well, thank you very much. What was your first name? Ann. Ann, very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is part two. We found out these people were from Tucson and Bikus. How many years has Bikus been around? 22 years now. 22 years, and, and the big thing is, you actually have like, not only that, you have renters in the building, you've got this thing called purgatory that I love. Yeah. Tell, said, us, tell us just briefly. Well, we've got, so we've got, we've got bike purgatory, which is all the donations that come in that we just put in the corner, kind of wait to either get fixed up or, or, uh, or taken apart and used for parts. And then we have the, uh, the parts purgatory where it gets stacked up and saved up, and then you can come fix your bike and take classes and yeah, make okay. bike art. Bikeist has been a real model for other people in the bike collective community. Uh, we've seen you go from just being volunteer to actually have paid staff. Yeah, yeah, we got about 15 paid staff now, that's, part time that's paid incredible. staff. Yeah. How do you support it in what we would call a desert out there? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but Tucson is actually a real bikeable city, isn't it? It is, yeah. We've got great weather and wide streets. Uh, so, in a lot of ways, it's, it's a really great bike city. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, we've just been slowly working up. We're mostly able to sustain ourselves just through sales and refurbished bikes. And uh, we do our big art auction fundraiser every year. Some small grants here and there, but we try to rely mostly on, on income that we can rely on rather than, than, uh, than funding. And, and by that I mean there's universities there. A lot of people don't know this, but Ansel Adams has his, his collection at one of the universities right there. And you yep. can make a private kind of uh, request and see some of the stuff. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, Tucson, they've got a film community there. That's sure. what I was there for. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Those guys, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, with bikes and stuff, have you seen, uh, you know, that's the last place people say, oh, I don't want a bike in the center or anything. But there, 
let's be honest, a lot of people come out at night, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, really one of the things is, you know, if you get into a car, it's going to be hot, you know? And it's oh, like, absolutely. It's going to be hot when you're on your bike, too, yeah, but at yeah. least you get the and breeze you're like going, me, you, know? you want to crank up the AC, and the yeah. next thing you know, you walk out, and it's like a third-wheel country. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you start to get condensation on it, the air and stuff. But, you know, a couple of months out of the year, it's, yeah, it's real hot, and, you know, the other the other half, it can get, it can get pretty chilly, but, I mean, the weather's pretty good. You, know, you can't really complain about it. Well, what I love the fact is you have, like, basically about the size of downtown, and yet you, yeah. you support, like, about a dozen shops, a, yeah. a, you know, and, and we're talking, like, wow, everybody really does bike. Yeah, and it's it's increasing, you know, I mean, it's a downtown, it's a university, you know, town, so we've got lots of students biking around, but a lot of people are really just getting into it just for commuting. I mean, the, the sprawl is... It's got some crazy sprawl around Tucson, so there's some places that are that can be really, really far away, but uh, we need to work on our public transit a little bit more. But, I, I know, we were awesome, we were talking yeah. about that earlier, that the 10 freeway was, was sort of slated to come right through Bikers, yeah. the building. Well, but there's still, there's you, still a, a roadway planning coming through there, connector road, not me, through the building, but next right next to it, which is, uh, that's not the we'll way see what happens, I mean, the economy's been put that back a little bit. That's good. That's yeah, good. So hopefully it'll never recover. We'll be around regardless of but, whether but on, a, on, a, on a positive note, even if you do have to move, bikers will still be around in some sense. Yeah, we're not planning on going anywhere. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And I, I love what you're doing. What? What? Said, in fact, we're planning on taking over the world. Yes, I love that. And this is bikers world bikers, bikers and all bike collective. And, that, and this is the yeah. point yeah. where the music would start. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Well, welcome once again to Los Angeles. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Troy. Troy. Yeah. Troy. Thank you, Troy. Yeah, pleasure. You guys here. I always think you're married like all small business people to their to their shop. Is Kevin here? Here are some more people we ran into. This was uh, uh, a friend of ours uh, from uh, Cafe de Leche? Coffee. What is it? Coffee with milk, I think. Except... Uh, Espanol, and that's over on 50th and uh, York. And we, uh, we, by full disclosure, we're receiving no money from them, <laughs> other than the occasional beer that they give to everybody uh, at their art openings. And um, uh, as I'm saying this, I'm looking at L.A., and today is not the best day, but it's a nice day. There's a little bit of gray, but I've already seen about five or six bike people out there. Uh, maybe it's just the weekend kind of barrage. A lot of them, little girls on bikes. Uh, that uh, must be the full moon coming out, getting a, a jump on the ovarian cyclists. Anyway, they were in here, was it last week? It's it, God, I'm losing all sense of time with this thing. Yeah, it was last week. And um, hopefully we'll, we're going to get them in here soon again. Oh, oh. The din of that. Anyway, uh, you, you've got it so well covered. Cafe you're here with the kids, enjoying it. You can, you can pass it up. It's a beautiful day, you know. Yeah. I had no idea you had an extra cycle. Yeah, my, my brother did it for me. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great to see you. Well, great to see you. You guys have a good time. Are you riding on the back? Oh, awesome. Can you say bye bye? Bye. They're hot now. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be great today. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, yeah, peel, peel. You can peel and everything. <laughs> All right. Hey, see you later. Good to see you. Ciao. So, uh, Polo making a resurgence. This was at the, uh, the... Apparently, there was a parking lot that was on the Ciclovia route 
that was going to be blocked off. And so while it was blocked off and no cars were traveling on the road, um, the bike polo community decided, hey, we'll just bring in some nets and a bit of uh, of um, goal retention and what have you. Uh, but a impromptu bike polo thing, we spent a little bit of time there. Uh, and then later in the afternoon, um, I, I myself got into a game and uh, learned that it's not all about offense. <laughs> but anyway, here's... Here's me earlier at Bipolar. Is it like the mind game? You take a prisoner? There is the phone. Hello? Bike talk. Hello? Hey, uh, is this Michael? Yeah. Hey, this is Nick for Bike Talk. Hey, Nick. And you are Michael from Nutcase Helmets. Yeah. And that's great. Thank you for calling in. Yeah. And um You're so what would you call your position of Nutcase? Uh founder, owner, president. So you started it. What's that? So you started the whole Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, I started it uh six years ago or so, two thousand five, two thousand six, right in there. Okay, so just how how does that happen? How does somebody start a helmet company? <laughs> uh it's a little odd. Um, you know, I came up with an I did. I made a helmet. I, I've always been a, a all sports kind of person. I was at Nike for ten years, and I made a helmet for a game for football that was between Oregon and Oregon State in two thousand. And it was a it was a kind of a brain bucket style of helmet that we make now. You know, and um, I put on this helmet. I taped it all up to look like Oregon State, because I grew up in Corvallis, Oregon State is. And then on the on the helmet, I super glued these four-inch um, screws and slammed these rubber duckies on the screws, and that was the mascot for the University of Oregon, the ducks. Mm-hmm. And went to the game with this helmet that was a fan helmet, you know. Right. And at the game, there was so much response to this crazy helmet that it, I started to think afterwards, Maybe there's something about helmets and, and individual expression and creativity that could be something. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. I who knew, right? Um, well, for the next couple of years. Yeah. Oh, for the next couple of years, that I let that just I I started to think a little bit more, look at the helmet market, and I realized a lot of them don't they don't look so great. You know, the graphics are kind of lame, and nah, people complain about how, how they look in their helmet or whatever. And one thing led to another, and I just started developing this this idea that could be something where people wanted to wear their helmet because they liked it a lot, and and that's what started right. the started Nutcase going. Well, that is so important because you know a lot of kids don't wear helmets because they think they don't look good. A lot of grown-ups. Grown-ups the same. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to wear it, or you know, it depends on who you are. But a lot, a lot of them, a lot of uh, you know, thirty-five and older. You know, most when I'm when I'm forty something, you know, we didn't wear helmets growing up. You know, and uh, now they they kind of think twice about it. Want to put their kids in a helmet or something? They want to role model themselves for them, and they go, "Well, I never liked helmets." (laughs) Either they don't look, they don't think they look good in them, or they just don't like them, or whatever, whatever reason, you know. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You were saying you were going to say. No, that no, that's just it. That, That and. You know, so far after six years, that's a lot what people tell us is that you know I wouldn't 
even dealers out in, in, in Holland, you know, which one of the light country of the world there, they are, you know, pretty much don't like to wear helmets, you know, and they're kind of born with a bike, right? Mm-hmm. But they've told us, if I had to wear a helmet, I'd wear yours. <laughs> so it was like kind of a nice uh, backhand compliment, but it was okay. Well, in Holland and those places, they don't really need helmets as much because they have infrastructure that makes biking safe. Exactly. Yeah. There's a whole different, a whole different world, you know. But um, I thought it was interesting. So you, you were a director at Nike before you? Yeah, career director for 10 years. I was, you know, so I'm in Portland. You know, we live in Portland, and Nike's just across the, the hill here in Beaverton. And what was your job there? Uh, well, I was career director in apparel for apparel graphic design for four or five years, and then I was career director in image design for Nike, which is kind of the brand, brand identity, um, looking, looking into advertising, retail. So you were already thinking along these lines. I mean, that was what you did. Yeah. I've always been that kind of a brand creative director who establishes what the brand or the company should look like, how it should behave from a visual standpoint, what its messaging content should be, and how to extend that out into its uh, retail and its products. And So I, 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 when I left Nike in 2000, I started a brand strategy agency, and our clients were also in sport. So ESPN, VX Games, uh, colleges, uh, Kentucky Derby, Notre Dame, all these different sports clients. And that's what we would do is go in there and define, redefine their brand identity and how that brand identity needs to extend out into their products and services. Can you explain brand identity? Um, the, um, I guess the DNA, the, the, the visual DNA of a company if it's Nike, it's Nike's logo, and it's, it's, it's different logos and components. It's core language and message it's trying to translate to the audience through both through product, through services, through its retail channels. You know, what is the heart and soul of the company, and how does it get portrayed through visual and text-to-text means? So a company like Nike, um, I don't know if it ha- would have the same kind of mission as a company like Nutcase. It, what, can you- <laughs> Probably not. Well... Global domination, that one? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, ours, yeah, but there's, I don't know, they, it, ours is going you know, to be the most creative helmet company on the planet, you know. Mm-hmm. get Help people get into helmets and want to wear their helmets because the design of them, the function of the design are working harmoniously. So how do you get people, is that really enough to get somebody to wear a helmet, you know, just that it looks cool? Well, so it, it's a big, I guess it's probably a big part of it. It's probably... The, one of the one of the biggest parts of it is how does it you know you know how does it how does it look how does it look on them how does it feel how does it how comfortable is it does it fit them well I mean there's certain that's the the form and function part it has to kind of work all together it can't be a bad fitting helmet you know I mean there's all those things that are that play a big role um, and there's going to be just pure performance stuff where it has to be a certain breathability has to be a certain light a certain weight for different kind of riders and whatnot. You know, where where Nutcase is, which is more of a little more of a mainstream, um, kind of family oriented, all purpose oriented product. You know, there's, there's a lot of picking out the one, you know, this helmet over here fits me, I'm gonna pick the one I like the best now. And that might just be literally the way it looks, you know, mm-hmm. after they've sort of said, Oh, that fits me good. So what and it's helped it right so far today it's actually it's done pretty well in terms of um being an uh, an alternate an alternative helmet choice for 
um, cyclists and, and then new cyclists to the market. People are coming, like I said earlier, people are coming in and wanting maybe want to get a new bike because they hadn't been biking in a while. Mm-hmm. And now they want to do, and then they might be whatever age, they're going to get bikes for their kids, and they go, you know, I could wear that helmet. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's trying to buy a helmet, what, what do you look, tell them to look for? Or how do they decide, you know, when you get a helmet, how, is there a, a lot of complexity into getting the right fitting helmet? Uh, I don't, you know, this, these days it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, I think it's pretty fairly simple. I mean, people's heads, like your feet, are a, little, are a bit different. I mean, folks have wide, folks have narrow, folks have square or round. Mm-hmm. So that can be, you know, for the most, most of the population, it's pretty much you can get a decent, a pretty good fit with um, the retention systems now that are out, that have been out there, particularly in bike for a while, you know. Um, in our case, we've, when we added the, the, the spin dial retention system, which is different from most, um, you know, like our, our helmet is kind of shaped more like what you think of skate and multi-purpose helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, and those typically don't have the retention fit systems in them where you just dial down in the back. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, helped a, a lot for a greater group of folks who can fit a helmet like ours pretty well because with inner, when you put, talk about putting inner, adding foam pads inside to make them, you can kind of customize the, the um, thickness of the interior foam pads, which provide the comfort, and the dial system, which provides the greater fit for the front forehead, which keeps the helmet, the front, more locked down on right above the eyebrows versus being flipped back up, which happens a lot in the skate-style helmets where you see kids running around or kids riding around and their helmets are almost falling off the back of their head, you know. Mm-hmm. So it has become better to get a um, good fit and a, a fit that lasts longer while you're riding. So yeah, so when you talk to kids or anybody, grown-ups, mm-hmm. about the importance of wearing a helmet, what do you tell them? Well, well we just tell them that, you know, it's, I mean, look, this is like uh, a lot out there. There's a lot more, there's more cars these days. There's, the roads are not getting necessarily bigger in our town. Like I'm looking where downtown Portland and, you know, it's the same roads that have been here forever, but the cars are bigger, um, just more congested and anything can kind of happen out there. So, you know, these days, you know, like, like our kids and the kids that are growing up, because I've got two kids and they, they're the ones that actually were putting the helmets on their heads and telling the parents more to put their helmets on. It's kind of a little bit of a turnaround, I think. Hmm. You don't really have to tell the kids anymore. They, they just, at least now that's our city. I don't, that could be different in hmm. different parts of the, of the country, you know. Mm-hmm. But up here, uh, I, we notice it a lot. The, it's, the kids are all got their helmets and they seem to don't really put up a big bus. I have, notice more of the adults don't want to do the helmet. If there's an issue, it's more of the uh, young adults who, you know, want their own freedom to say, I'm going to put my helmet on or not. It's up to my own choice, you know. But the kids kind of like, I'll put a helmet on. There's kids who who get our helmets, I think mostly because of the graphics, and they just put them on immediately and we'll run around the house in their helmet. And we've got people just write us and tell us this stuff, you know. And I got to think it's because of the visual Particularly when you're young and you're, you're so easy to go, oh, that looks cool, that looks fun, I'll put that on. You know, and then you just run around with it. <laughs> yeah, and they could, like, <laughs> run into walls and bounce off. And... 
Yeah, you know, they just kind of like putting it on. You know, mm-hmm. they're so kind of easy. Um, when something is so kind of eye-catching mm-hmm. and candy-like, they they just go with it quickly, quick. I mean, so they the kids are almost, in a way, you don't have to do a whole lot of rationale with kids. I think it's more for adults where it becomes a little bit more. They've already either worked up an idea in their head that helmets are bad or helmets are good, you know. And I like this one for fit and looks, or and or not, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do you get stories about people surviving accidents because of your helmets and things like that? Yeah, we've got quite a few. We've got about a dozen or so on our website. Of people just, you know, they write. They've been writing us for a long time, and we've been collecting them and, you know, sharing them with our dealers and distributors and whatnot. And then, you know, finally, said, so, "Geez, we should share this." Because yeah, there are folks who just write. I mean, it, <laughs> and it's all kind of some of them are hair raising. I mean, it, you know, we just they just because it's just the way it is, I guess. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, it's just maybe it's just the congestion. Maybe there's just because the, you know now there's F F three fifties out there with whatever on the road, and it's and you know people get hit and and so you know I don't know that it's it's not like it's. uh it's nutcases helmet versus bells or zeros or something like that. It's just that they had it on, right? Um, and that and that and the, the the big story that really set us into going, wow, this is really something. It was in 2009, and you know, the father in Boston, Hugh O'Neill, wrote to us. So this is the first letter I think we got. In fact, or maybe it was well, maybe not the first one, but dang close. And said his kid Jack was on his bike riding and got hit and was airlifted to Boston Mass and the doctor told him probably would have either been seriously injured or died or whatnot, right, if he hadn't had his helmet on. And they and the only reason he was wearing his helmet is because he, he was nutcase and he liked the graphic. It was a graffiti graphic. And his friend um, was riding twenty yards behind him, didn't have a helmet on, and if his friend had been if it had been flipped, his friend had been ahead, then his friend might probably would have had to deal with you and we were just raised the hair in our back of our neck you know when you read that email from him and then they sent pictures of his helmet and got him a new helmet and all that stuff but so we, we do get quite a bit you know and again it's mostly kind of urban you know, urban environments you know, something happens hit and run there's been a few hit and run type of things or mm-hmm. somebody even just fell <laughs> And you know you hit the hit, you hit the ground in the wrong spot, and that right. could be really bad, or it could be you, you could be okay. It's one of those one of those things. But we do get quite a bit of stories now. I guess you don't get the stories about where they weren't wearing the helmet. I don't. Th- I, I'm trying to think of. I've gotten any. Yeah, you're right. Well, if it is, um, yeah. we've gotten no. Uh, there's been uh, no. There's been a couple with somebody did, and I'm trying to recall where they. I mean, they kind of got messed up, you know, and. Uh, but I don't know that I don't know where those are. But um, there's been some really wicked stories. I mean, really kind of gruesome pictures that have come over, and uh, I, it's been a kind of amazing, actually. You know, it's really. I mean, they're wearing them because they really because they like the graphics and the name. That that's that's the biggest part of it. You know, because mm-hmm. most of the helmets, you know, you've got to pass CPSC. They have to be a, a, a hit a standard of safety. I mean, there's just no way to be on the market, really. So, from the safety standpoint of a particularly like an accident, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get hit 
you know, obviously if you get drilled by a truck, you might not make it, regardless if you had a helmet. I think it's kind of the things that are where you get bumped or knocked over and you you really you roll and you hit something and you're kind of injured. How in how tough how how just how badly injured are you is the stuff that we get where they feel like they they dodged a bullet, you know. Right. By having a helmet on, right? You know, I don't know that it's really changing statistics, you know, in the in the whole big helmet debate, but um, there are definitely those people who feel glad I had a helmet on, right? Yeah, and we get a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, I met a guy once who had been uh, who had got knocked off his bike when he wasn't wearing a helmet. He um, uh, he couldn't remember how he got there, and he just had I, I had I had met him. We exchanged numbers, and, and and he just had my number, and and he said, um, you know, who are you? <laughs> and I and um, I just met him once, you know, and uh, I I he's like I just know that knew that uh, I had I was looking at your phone number, and I took that as a, some kind of a uh, omen. Thank you. Yes, right. I should always wear wow. a helmet, but um. Is there a difference between your other helmets and bike helmets? Like they all kind of look kind of skateboardy. Is there like a different, uh, like you you make uh, snowboard helmets, mm-hmm. and you make bike helmets? Is there a difference? Mm-hmm. Is there a difference? Yeah. Um, from the safety standpoint, there isn't really a. I mean, they all have to meet their very similar safety standards, right? From an impact perspective. Um. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Whether it's the snow or the bike. Um, or motor or water or whatnot. Um, there is really kind of comes down to just the, you know, how much in that environment, obviously warmth uh, is an issue over in snow. Um, and other bike helmets, it's obviously, you know, there's some that with just more breathability. Ours is the harder shell, you know, more like it's like you take a skate, of course. And then, um, you know, we're just kind of more, more general breathability. It's, it's a more of an all purpose helmet, our current, you know, street helmet. Um, after that, you know, they're really, consistencies are, should be a comfortable fit. And in our mind, that's what our, our other helmets, they, they, we try to hit the sweet spot of what most people would feel comfortable in so that they can adjust pads in the interior so that it feels comfortable to their head, mm-hmm. kind of get the fit that they like. That's why and the dial for the, for the street has helped undo that. So the, most of those think on that we have a dial on the, uh, snow that's coming or the new snow that's going to have the dial fit in there. So, you know, they all have to basically meet the, you know, it's comfort style and safety and, you know, protection. And and we kind of keep it at that. And Mm -hmm. then from from there, we kind of are looking towards other things like going maybe up the ladder and bicycle or maybe with a lighter weight shell, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that more of the road race crowd, you know, try to see if we you know, if there's, cause there's interest that people ask us, why don't you make something that, you know, is, that I would, I could wear this hot as hell and I'm riding 10, 15, 20 miles, you know. Right. Cause right now I wouldn't say we do that. <laughs> do, pretty, you, do you have that uh, one? Do you no, have, we don't. When uh, that's what people are asking us right. for. So we're working towards right, cool. that type of a helmet. That would be, so you're a lighter weight in mold. More you think of traditional bicycle helmet, right? Mm-hmm. But a little bit of where the that case helmet looks today so we we have it's called metro ride and we've been we're finishing up our production of that helmet and it's a lighter weight um not as super breathable as like a mega um 
you know, aerodynamic helmet, mm-hmm. but in between our helmet, our current street, and then kind of a race helmet. So you got your mm-hmm. commuter who might go do um, you know, small tours, small, small trips, mm-hmm. that type of that type of, um, of participant. Hmm. I'd like to try that. Yeah, so, I work all the ship. We're, 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 we're working on that. Cool. <laughs> in development. Should be soon. Nice. Um, so um, you're developing all that. So it, it, with uh, the popularity of bike share programs, more bicyclists on the road because of the environmental reasons or, you know, the economic reasons, uh, there's more maybe there is there is there helmet legislation uh, that's that's coming out more that more states passing laws requiring bikes bikers to wear helmets there's uh, there's a lot of debates about helmet legislation no doubt um, I don't know if there's you know how much more there's gonna be I know Canada was looking at some legislation of their own Um I don't know the latest or what there, if there actually is going to be some sort of adult helmet law around bicycles, like from a federal standpoint. Um, you know, I, I keep in track of, um, helmet, uh, Randy Swart at helmets.org a bit, and he, he kind of writes about a lot of the different helmet laws and such. And there's a ton of debate, you know, and it all comes, comes from all over the world about whether to do that or not. Um, one thing that we do know is, is that people are more and more wanting to wear helmets. So, you know, because our business keeps on growing rapidly in order to meet the demand out there for people who want want to wear more helmets and they want to look good in it and they want it to be comfortable and all that stuff, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah, the bike share programs, um, and we're working with a couple on that as well, and we're excited about that. And that, that seems to be growing quite a bit. And, uh, like, we're working with the folks to go to New York and then a few other things. Um Really, you you nutcase is working with the yeah. bike share programs. Yeah, Alta Alta up here actually is doing these bike share programs. We're going to be working with them. We're coming up with ideas of how to help them and support them. Because right now, what they do, they've got a lot of these bikes, right? But then the reports are showing that I don't know that some people don't wear their helmet or they're or they're not wearing them as many or whatever. But they need a helmet programs to kind of go with this bike program, and it been a problem nobody's really solved yet like i think that that uh i want to say it was melbourne has like um a out of vending machines helmets have you ever heard of that no okay yeah they this was just last week we were meeting with the folks at alta they're up here in portland and then i don't know it doesn't sound like it's working very well you know i like part of it is that they maybe give them Put in there the cheapest helmet they can they, find. They have a. I don't know. A, that's what, why they must have working, a, but, What kind of? <laughs> I'm trying to picture a bike helmet vending machine. It seems like it would be like me too. Ten feet tall. And, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Wow. It's like I don't know. It must be huge, right? I. But but apparently it's not. I from what I gathered, it wasn't working very well. So there's. I think it's like how do you come up with a program where somebody would actually rent, let's say rent a helmet, uh, and then, you know, you got the whole head thing. Okay, so you can spray the pads with, like, what you spray your bowling shoes with, right. <laughs> you know, and do it that way. But um, to create that program, there's a lot of effort and logistic issues and price issues and ah, da, 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 it goes on and on. So I think there, there's some things, but we're, we're going to work with Alta to come up with, figure that out. and um. So yeah, we're kind of excited about bike sharing. Dis- how about disposable helmets? 
disposable. Well, styrofoam, just the stuff that goes safety, on the inside of them. Maybe no? safety issues. I don't know. I have to sell the pass. You know, I got a pass for CPSC. Um, who knows? You might have to develop. You have to develop something. There has been a, a helmet that was um, a kid out of the UK. Uh, we've talked about it a few times. A um, corrugated paper helmet, hmm. and um, it's very cool. Hmm. Um, and it passes <coughs> passes safety, the, right. but it still it still has some development challenges because the paper has to come from India, and then you got to get that over to Asia or wherever, and then you got to get that. You know, it's, then it has to pass. Blah blah blah. It's just, there's a lot involved <laughs> huh. again logistically to actually yeah. make it happen. But it's kind of cool, and you wonder if that would work. But I I kind of think that they they would it would be too expensive to buy it from those guys. You know, so. It seems like there's ideas out there. It's just a matter of executing it. That would that is what's difficult. Like with anything like that, <laughs> you know, who's going to pay for it? Right. Uh, how, uh, all that stuff. So, so um, yeah. As you as you're looking at bike share programs, I mean, it's it's great for you guys that you are working with all these bike share programs. How did you get to be the helmet company that would be working with them? <laughs> you know, I you know I think it's a similar deal earlier. Like people. Call us. I mean, the New York, uh, I think it was the DOT, um, my wife was also founder here with me. My wife and uh, our team is in New York this week for um, two different shows out there, the New Amsterdam show and then uh, uh, the Bike New York, uh, whatever it's called, show, Bike New York show, I think it's called. So they met with the DOT, and the DOT contacted us because they just want our helmets because they're, they're saying the same thing that I was just saying earlier. It's like people know in that case they like them. They want to wear them, you know. It's like um, if you like it, you use it, right? If you, it's kind of that. It's no, it sounds really simple, but you know, it's kind of effective in that regard. And so that's what people have been contacted about this stuff is saying. Like for instance, in, in back in Melbourne or Australia, we have um, distributors down there. We did a another it was not bike share; it was a bike rental agency, right? And they do bike tours around all around Australia. But they contact, contacted us because they just loved nutcase and the graphic aspect of it that would draw people in and, and encourage people to take tours da, 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 da. so we made a special design for them a graphic design same helmet and they've been running with that for i think three years now we made 300 for them and candy apple red and all this stuff so i think it's the the kind of semi-custom nature of what we are in, in that regard you know it's a helmet that Pass the safety, all that has the thing, so they know they know they can go check, check, check. All the things are good. Oh, and this can be kind of like for us, and people know it now. I think that's why people are coming to us and then, and then asking us to go help them, you know. And um, and that's yeah, that's kind of been going. That's kind of what's been happening. It's kind of like they've been pulling us through, right? You know, versus us going out and cold calling them. So you do you feel and, like you're riding a wave at all? Sorry, sorry. Do you was feel that... like you're kind of riding a wave? A little bit, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, now our biggest thing is is just having the manpower to handle um, the requests. You know, wow. we only still a small company. How do you? Repeat... <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, so it's good, but it is a lot, lot to handle. Well, so you're so you're very uh, you're very you're all about design, right? So, mm -hmm. how, how do you find people to like? What kind of a Designers would be like the core of your company, then, like the the people who make the graphics and everything. Yeah, we've had I've had a couple graphic designers for years who worked with me back way back with Nike even, and um, and then with the, my old design company. And it's the same little core group, you know. 
<laughs> it's a small little team that's been doing all of the graphics. And then we've we've um, contracted out for industrial design, like on the one I was telling you about the Metro Ride that we're developing. Just you know, I'm not an industrial designer. What is industrial? So, what is, what, I don't know. know what the, when you say industrial design, is that I mean like a product design, like actual the actual the helmet itself oh. on the metro ride. You know, there's guys who you know folks do, um, and someday that'd be great if we had our own on staff helmet design person who's like in the engineering of the helmet itself. You know, um, a lot of that now is handled between our you know factories and their their abilities. So from our research and design standpoint, mm-hmm. and in our case. Like like I would imagine, Giro, which is a pretty big company, has their own um, helmet design, right? Not the graphics part, but the actual helmet itself, because they make so many helmets per year. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know. You know, yeah. And honestly, when we grow up, that'd be nice. <laughs> you've got, you know, we've got some core helmet designers who do the design, the, the uh-huh. helmet itself, and graphic designers, and and then marketing team and all that. You know, so I can see that happening. We're looking online here at your original Oregon Ducks helmet. Yeah, right. The sketch? Yeah. See the sketch? Yeah. That was 15 minutes after my last day at Nike. And I love Nike. I love, I was brainwashed. I love Nike. But my last day, I wanted to go do this whole other thing. But my ex-boss at the time was a big Ducks fan. I grew up, of course, Corvallis, Oregon State. So I made that sketch right after I left. And then that turned into that case, basically. A helmet with ducks on it. So, uh, do you have stuff that like attaches to helmets now, like a mohawk or like a? Yeah, no, I get that. You know, it's one of those ideas. Like, yeah, we can see it. You know, it's just too much for us to handle developing. And then there's been some other people who are supplying those types of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we we kind of kept we toyed with stickers and some other things. And yeah, it's the old same old deal though. Too many plates in the air and. Yeah, I can't, I, can't juggle at all. Because <laughs> I, I, I'd love to maybe try a unicorn helmet. Unicorn, that's awesome. Because we were just talking about doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Nobody, nobody fed you that idea to send it to me. Uh, you just well, thought about that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> some friend said that. No, we were just making the unicorn helmet just just like a few days ago. You're kidding? No, I swear. Yeah, I'm. And, and if, you could, if, if, the, if the horn, if the horn could actually serve some uh, practical, you know, utility, uh, that would well, be. Well, you were cool thinking part. actually, actually uh, a three D part unicorn. I was just doing a unicorn on my helmet, but oh. <laughs> unicorn coming out. Yeah. yeah. Like well, that could actually know. maybe, and, and it could actually be a horn. Like it could be a bike horn. Like it could be an air horn. That it, it would right or a light, a light at the end of it, right. like uh, Rudolph. Exactly. That'd be funny. Um. So. Yeah. What, when you're going around, do you travel a lot? And like, what makes a good bike city, bike friendly city to you? Or have, what have you what have you seen that you've really liked in terms of? Oh, Copenhagen for sure. And we saw a lot of helmets out there in Denmark. We've done really well. Um, you know, I mean, it's just so different out there. I mean, Poland's a great bike city. Just people recognize the bikers. You know, I mean, you're always on the lookout if you're in your car. They're, they're respected, and there are there's skirmishes, no doubt. But uh, as a U.S. city goes, Poland's a great bike city. Mm. Um, over, you know, in Europe, it's just like they're just so more cognizant of bicycles. Mm. It's not even like it isn't even. It's almost like another planet from the United mm. States. Um, you know, like New York City, still those taxi cabs just so fast, scares the crap out of me when I'm there. So, yeah. so but um, 
almost all of those where you're feel free to walk and you're not you're you know you're seen and you can bike time and get stolen. It, that just makes for a good city. You know, Munich is a great city that we spent some time in because of different European trade shows, um, both for snow and for bike. There's one coming up here, Bike Dispo Bike. Um, also great because it's easy to get around on a bike. Um, and it's just a sense of safety, I think, which is great. So I can understand, like, even though we saw quite a few helmets in Europe, um, you know, folks are, it's not as maybe as urgent, a sense of urgency, I guess, maybe. I don't know what it is. But they don't, I don't like, I don't feel as in, insecure, I guess, there, you know, than maybe here. <laughs> you think the style of driving of, of the cars is? <laughs> Although they drive like, they drive super fast over there, too. Um, I think it's just more of a, it's more secondhand that bicyc- bicycling is part of way of life. You know, I don't, don't know that it's totally, again, I'm, I feel like Portland is a, a separate city from the rest of the United States, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, here everybody is very cognizant of bicycles and bicyclists. But I don't know that's the case. Um, well, heck, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. And, it, I mean, to me, I was just car culture, you know. Right. Um, it didn't seem like all oh, bicycle. <laughs> so yeah. it just seems so foreign, you know. Maybe it's just by city by city in the U.S. Um, and even like, you know, okay, so in Tokyo, another great, I mean, eh, cars don't go too fast. You know, people, not a whole lot of helmet wearing. I mean, really, we do well <laughs> selling to the young kids, especially in a lot of these foreign countries, uh, uh, because it's a little bit more easy. It's a little easier for the parents to, to convince themselves for their child, not than themselves, you know. And so our we have a, our kids' line is called Little Nutty, and that's kind of geared fits like a kid at say two and a half to five six years old, you know. And we do extremely well in that mm-hmm. outside of the United States and here too, but definitely outside of the United States. And I, I think it's because people, you know, they just don't feel uh, as worried about riding a bicycle and getting in getting an accident. And right. all I can think of it is that. They're just seen. They're they're just more. Um, they're just it's a safer environment. I think people recognize and see them and take more concern over bicyclists <laughs> than maybe in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my deductive reasoning. Um, so I don't know if you've listened to the to, to bike talk before, but we have uh, a host here called Chicken Letter, and he's in the studio, and he would like to ask you a couple questions, if that's all right. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Here you go. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Ah, I'm good. I've been listening to your thing, and um, one of the things I notice is, uh, uh, and I've noticed it at different stores, is in that case, actually, uh, let's let's just say it, a lot of women are wearing your thing because I, I think it's not only the graphics, which are really great. I, I love the flower ones, and there's there's the polka dot ones and stuff, but they seem to be lighter. Uh, is is that a uh, just because of some of the... Uh, um, materials that you put into it? Are you, are you working with uh, lighter materials to make it lighter that way? Or, or maybe you can tell me more about that. No, it, I, it's, it's not necessarily lighter. I think that it's, um, I think that it's the simple shape of it. And this, I think that the comfortable fit of the soft pads, I think when, when women put it on, 
it comes down further in the back. Like I hear a lot of, and I, there's, I don't know that there's any safety reason for this, honestly, because the, the traditional bicycle helmet passes the same thing, CPSC, just like ours does, right? But I have over and over when I was with fit women um, at events and whatnot, they just somehow like the idea that the helmet comes down on the back of their neck. I, I don't, uh-huh. And I, I really don't hear guys say that a whole lot. I, I honestly don't know what science, there's nothing scientific to that, other than that that's what they've told me. And, and they, I think that there's something insecure about that with them because, because other, other, you know, other guys, Giro, Protect, Burn, their helmets come down the back of your neck as well, you know. It's still that covering. But in our case, we have definitely more kind of women, female graphics, you know, and that, that they, I think that the, they just kind of respond to the style and feel of Nutcase. The name is funny to them. It's more inviting. It's, we're not, we don't come off too much as like too serious, you know, about having to do things. We're kind of, it's kind of quirky and a little goofier. And I think that, you know, women are open in a lot of ways, in some cases more open to new fun things and ideas than maybe some of the guys are, you know. I mean, I'm just speaking as a father. <laughs> We're not always the first ones to jump in on a new bright color or whatnot, you know, and then and a fun name or something. I think the women respond to the whole package. Because I don't know that necessarily that they would say about the lightweight or anything. I mean, we're definitely going more and more lightweight where we can. I mean, you lose something when you go that way. It's harder to put um, as nice a graphics on the lighter weight helmets um, in the production process. Because ours are all hand applied, they're not machine um, injected. They're not. They're. I mean, the machine um, applied like a stamped out, which is most of the bicycle helmets are. And I think women kind of respond to all that. The whole, the whole thing, you know. Um, and so our, originally, we recognized that it was the people wearing our helmets were women, kids, and dad is following. Like dad's coming along because he he sees. Oh, that's cool and all that. That's great. My wife's got that. The mom, the kids love it. You know what? I could wear that too. And he like wears maybe black, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. we, we've also noticed that uh, on your website you have a, a lot of uh, links to YouTube about how to apply it. What's the rest size and stuff? Do you find that yeah. when people look at the videos, it helps them better when they're shopping for a helmet? Yeah, I think so because I think it, you know we used to get before we did that we would get some either emails or calls back, which took up a lot of time. So just, you know, a lot of ways, is even though this, our style, this, this sort of skate selling home has been out in the market in the world for, shoot, 40 years, um, not everybody, like a lot of the folks I was saying earlier who are just kind of getting back into bicycling a little bit, don't really know that you put the pads, that there's that there's a whole extra set of pads and you, you can Velcro those in and out, you know. And... How should I wear it? I mean, I'm still amazed. Like, literally, we go to events, like the ones in New York I was saying that the group's at now, or here we have a lot of events here, and we will do helmets and we'll do fitting. And, I mean, it's almost like putting the shoe on the first time for a lot of people. So in some respects, helmets is still a little bit archaic, you know, in terms of what people think of. I don't There's a whole group of, like I said earlier, if you're, if you're like me, you're over 35, 40, right, you didn't grow up with a helmet. It's a little intimidating, I think, maybe, at first to think of putting a helmet on and um, how to do it and not end up do it right. <laughs> like, so, 
Yeah, the fitting videos have helped. Um, and I also looked at that, like the motorcycle companies, they really do a lot about that, too. They really, really work hard to help people understand a good fit because you really need a really good fit on the motorcycle. So it's kind of thinking of it that way. How to be the best resource, you know, for folks who want to put on a, a bicycle helmet or a snow helmet or whatever we have. Yeah, you've been talking about some of your events. Uh, we here in Los Angeles have got Bike Week coming up, too, uh, in the middle of uh, April. It may not be as publicized as some of the other events, like Carmageddon here and other things. But um, being in Portland, do you find that uh, because it's a bikeable city, that, uh, that helmets uh, make an inroad there uh, as opposed to other other places you were talking about uh, um uh, is it hard for us to make inroads here, or it seems like it would be easier because oh, easier. Oh, yeah, definitely, and also because we're from here, you know, we're it's a small, you know, like everything. It's a big world, but it's a small world, right? Every, we know everybody now, <laughs> all friends. So everybody kind of knows who we are, and we're here, so we're the local cat's pajamas, you know. And so it's kind of almost it's great, you know. Um, so, but in some respects, I think on from our standpoint, it's hard. Hard, harder because we're so ingrained into the culture here to know about all that, like that event you're talking about in Los Angeles yeah. or, you know, whatever, because it's harder, you know, there's only still only, you know, 10 or 12 of us here and you can't do everything. And we don't know enough. It always, it's always the old thing. You don't know what you don't know, right? don't know enough about all the other events in all the other cities. So it's, it becomes a little bit hard to make inroads other places. Yeah. Because we, we need more people, or we just need more information, right? And we get, you know, bogged down into the daily of here. So, like that Los Angeles, I would, yeah, we should be at that kind of stuff, but we don't, you know, we were at Monterey for the first time, uh, what, a week ago or, or two weeks ago. And that was great. <laughs> but that was our first time going up there. It's more like know? a vacation than it does like a, a, something to study or, or something like a working vacation or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the events are fun for sure. I mean, it's actually a good way to live. <laughs> you know, going to bicycle events—that's kind of fun. So, one, uh, one last thing was uh, I, I was looking at your site, and uh, you're you're not like the usual uh, uh, corporate entity like like Nike or something. Uh, we we noticed, uh, and I was looking at some of the graphics. If you're like me, you're you're either going to want different styles of helmets to go with your mood, or or Maybe uh, I was looking at the Harrington graphics and realized that not only is it a great helmet, but you're making some donations to their cause. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, Joey, right? Joey Harrington got hit hard. So we, so we've made, we've done that with a lot of different things. But the Harrington one, he got hit up here during the summer, and we already had these. Uh, we had some great Oregon duck color helmets, and we wanted to. Finally, since he's a local hero here, to take that, work with him, find a way to use his name and influence to help get other people spread a word about, hey, if Joey would have been, you know, if he, well, actually, he was, he ended up being okay, actually, because of his helmet, and that's a good thing. So, we've done some different things with, with any of that, like, um, I'm trying to think of another good example on other than the Joey one, but, you know, like, where, where somebody gets, hit in an accident, and they, they light us back, and we're going to exchange the helmet for them, you know, because we want them to have a new helmet instead of having to go out and go get another one. So we've been, we've done that for since day one. That's why we got a lot of those letters earlier on, you know, from people and 
would say, well, just send us that helmet, we'll send you a new one. Um, anything that kind of helps people understand that it was a good thing that Joey or whatever, or, or Joey or, um, you know, um, Hugh, that little kid that I was talking about earlier, had his helmet on, that seems to be a good thing to us. You know? Absolutely. I want to thank you. I'm going to hand the phone back to Nick right now. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks for talking. Hey, okay, so uh, one last question. What are you doing for May as Bike Safety Month? Well, let's see. We've got an, I think we've got some events here in Portland. Um, I don't know if we're necessarily, per se, doing anything. I don't think we've got a huge new event that we're, that we're doing other than uh, continuing to do all the, <laughs> catch up to all the events and all the safety things that we already are, are kind of thinking of. Um, so... You know, it's just continuing to spread the message of what we do, show people how we're doing it, continuing to improve um, our message about, you know, if you wear your helmet, you're going to be hopefully safer out there in the roads and um, mm-hmm. and continue on. Cool. Well, Michael, thank you so much for calling. This was great. And Thanks, um, we're going to have uh, our Youth on Bikes show uh, every, I think, well, we're trying to have it every third Saturday, so um, you know, we'll just. I mean, it's really important, I think, to try to figure out how to reach people about wearing helmets. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, and absolutely. And so, you know, anything else that we can do to help and be a part of, um, we would love to to help and and be involved. Well, I will definitely uh, keep you guys in mind. So, All right. and keep us in mind. All cool. Right. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Chicken leather back. Uh, we're we're gonna play a couple things, as you know. Coming up is uh, uh, bike uh, bike week, and here's bike week is recapped for us uh, a couple years ago. Uh, the blessing of the bikes. We're gonna hear a little bit of it. Uh, we want you to get ready for it. That's coming up uh, in in two weeks. Uh, this week over at the bike oven, we're gonna be doing a little bit of. That's right. Um, suggestive repair on Wednesday. That's not to say that you need to repair everything, but it's also to uh, get ready for Bike Week. Come on in. That's Wednesday over at the Bike Oven 7 to 10. I'll be there hosting an informal day. Usually we've been doing like a repair session or uh, classes, and they were well attended. We're going to see if we can't help you out to get your bike running in order for Bike Week. Here we go. Here's something of Blessing of the Bikes a couple weeks ago. Actually, back in... uh, May of 2008. Let's see if I can in, in, in speed this up. Everybody know we went 
healthy and happy and great Angelino. And and this was the year that uh, uh, this was the year that I think Tom, uh, what is it, uh, Mayor Reardon got the uh, Golden Spoke Award. Andy puts it on over there at. Uh, that's right. The blessing of the bike goes on over at. The hospital, uh, Good Samaritan, located uh, near Lucas and Six, right across the street from uh, Bisa Libre. Here we go. Here's the mayor. Okay, next, finally, we're going to do to carry out the blessing with bicycles. We're going to have Reverend Jerry Anderson, along with his colleagues, come up here. Uh, Jerry has just been instrumental. He's been so supportive of me throughout these years with the blessing. Always behind me. We have the uh, Right Reverend Bishop Gordon Bennett from Loyola High School. Big round. We have the Venerable Sunita Dharma from the DUFAP Temple. We have Rabbi Moshe Greenwald from the Jewish Community Center Chabad. So you might be wondering what what does prayer have to do with bicycles? Well, sometimes it always seems like you're riding without a prayer. This is a way to actually uh, maybe maybe filling a void you have there on your bike of uh, just uh, uh, a spiritual sense where we're not asking you to to follow any one thing, but maybe spiritually you're getting better in touch with the universe with a bicycle than you might with some other form of transportation. So here are those religious leaders giving us their blessing in lieu of getting another blessing in a couple weeks. Uh, first, I'd like to say this is always a treat. I missed the program last year because I was spending a lot of time in Asia. But I would like to say all of, to all of you this morning, when you ride your bicycle and you happen to pass people that have some type of difficulty or something in their lives or you may perceive that, Offer a seed of compassion to them. We have to think about the people that are around us, and we have to be very mindful when we ride our bicycles, when we're walking, and being aware in our daily lives. But the seed of compassion, regardless, is the most important thing that we can do. And in I would like to offer a very short blessing for all of you. It's in the Pali language. So the blessing actually means we call all the universal forces of love and compassion and all the deities that represent all the different religious traditions on the face of this planet that they come and they bless us and they offer us the peace, joy, and happiness in our lives. Sati Sapa 
So in case you think you've tuned into the yoga show or, or some religious component of Kill Radio, this is the Blessing of the Bikes that is going to happen in uh, two weeks, I think. Uh, it's a Tuesday coming up, and uh, we're looking at the calendar trying to figure out what day that is. Uh, so in lieu of that, we just want to tell you all that you are listening to Bike Talk here on Kill Radio and KPFK on the podcast, and we're going to wind up our show with a little more spiritual enlightenment by the yogiist here for uh, part of the blessing of the bikes. Compassion and mindfulness into your daily lives, and remember all of those who are suffering at this moment, at this time. And we pray for all of you that you find your peace and happiness. Thank you very much. Good morning. I'd also like to thank you for inviting me. I didn't know this existed, or I would have been here more often. But I am a biker. This is my ancient bike. I don't have speeds, and when I go in the marathon, they all yell at me, why don't you get a bike? And I said, I like this bike. So, and I do. I bike at the beach a lot. I have to bike on flat ground because I don't go up hills. And um, one day I was biking, and I say good morning to everybody I see. And I bike at 6 in the morning, and so I wake up a lot of people, and they're not so happy. But I say, good morning. And uh, they look at me like I'm really nuts. But one day this man came towards me, and then he went past, and he turned around. And I heard this voice that said, can I ask you something? And I stopped. I said, sure. He said, are you an authentic nun? And I said, yes. He said, Cool. <laughs> but I do like in my habit, and uh, you can, you know, you can do anything in my habit. I mean, it's, it's working. But uh, it was said that you have to get this blessing here at Good Samaritan every year to make it, you know, good. But I'm going to tell you that this prayer that I gave most of you, and I have some more to out, is the Guardian Angel Prayer. And we're going to say that today. And if you say this prayer every day, you will be taken care of every day. Because we all have guardian angels, and the angels do take care of us. So if you get the prayer, if you haven't got one, see Brother Felipe or myself. It's a short little prayer. I was taught this prayer when I was a kid years and years ago. And um, it has you know, helped me to get to be this age. <laughs> I was not really always very good. But I was always in trouble, but the angels kind of got me out of it. So please, if you want to join in, this is just a short prayer. Everybody believes in angels, and these are the guardian angels. Dear angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule, and to guide. Amen. God bless you, and may you have a terrific year. Thank you. This is the uh, our our. I don't know if you could say holy rabbi against that. Holy rabbi sounds like something that uh, 
Robin from Batman and Robin might say, but here's, here's the esteemed rabbi, I guess you could say that, who came out and he's doing the blessing of the bikes. Blessing of the bikes, getting ready for your social kind of component to riding around LA. Somebody was saying, hey, uh, uh, well, until the city gets safe, maybe this is yet another thing you should pack in your, uh, in your, uh, sack and, and take along with you. Uh, uh, when you when you travel along with your patch kit and a couple other things uh, when you go out there on the road, um, we're at time, so we're, we're actually at time with bike talk. So we're going to continue on with the uh, the rabbi's blessing here for a minute, and then we want to thank you for listening to bike talk today. Afflictions that visit and trouble their way. Bless the work of our hands. Let us receive divine grace and those loving acts of kindness and mercy in your eyes and in the eyes of all those we encounter. Listen to the voice of our appeal, for you are a God who responds to prayerful supplication. Praise are you, Lord, who responds to prayer. God bless you all. Calibrate and check our stats. We need a little shift on. 